Evolutionary. Whoa! <laughs> evolutionary. Oh, oh. Let's, let's get it. Let's get it. This is revolutionary, not evolutionary. It's evolutionary. It's evolutionary. It's revolutionary. It's revolutionary. What? Put something that says evolution on I've our never... intro for a Christian podcast. I don't know. <laughs> Me neither. Okay. That's why I was. Oh, confused. thank God it's over. <laughs> Do not. Wait, no, no. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. This is episode eight of the podcast. We got Wolfgang back. We um, have Robbie on the soundboard. Yeah, so if you hear obvious. any random noises, that's Robbie. <laughs> our little angel over there. <laughs> Just right. a little. So Wolfgang, you had a angel. subject you wanted to talk about right alligator okay so um the first thing that we want to talk about i guess today was kind of uh god's will versus your own will Mm -hmm. and how you shouldn't be following your own will so it's a very selfish thing actually okay according to the bible it's uh you're not supposed to you know go on and try to be okay let me give you an example of a story so a couple of weeks ago i wanted to go down to denver to see my girlfriend and this was the first time that <laughs> he has gonna, a girlfriend. Stop laughing. Are you going to cry? <laughs> no, because I'm starting to cry. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so I wanted to go down there just to see her for a couple of days, and I kind of prayed about it, and God was like, don't go down there yet. Um, you'll know when to go down there when the thing happens. He didn't tell me what the thing was. The thing. I think I may have figured it out, but I'm not 100% sure. So anyway, I decided to go down there anyways. And as I'm getting to Glenwood, so 45-minute drive or so, um, I I read a sign that says I-70s closed for a mudslide, and <laughs> I just could not get on this bus, no matter how hard I tried to. So um, I did not make it to Denver. And I got home, and I was pretty upset. But yeah, I mean... It's just, it kind of sucks sometimes. I see where you're coming from, though, because especially with my friends, I've seen that following God's will, especially when you have a girl in your life that God does not want you to pursue, that I see a lot of men take that the route of that one girl, and then she ends up just crushing them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of instances with that recently. <laughs> yeah, so I have a couple of Bible verses So if on she this. isn't Christian... Dump her. Dump her. <laughs> or make her Christian. Yeah, make her convert. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I have a couple of verses about this. Specifically, um, Proverbs nineteen twenty one. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I have another one from First Thessalonians five eighteen. Uh, Give thanks in all circumstances, <laughs> for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay. I mean, I can see how that's good and bad. Yeah, so it might sound a little bit bad because you're like, well, I'm in a bad situation. Why would I ever give thanks to God for him putting me in a bad situation? Um, But then I kept reading, and in Jeremiah it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And also in James, I remember it says that through like difficult times and struggles— produces fruit of some sort. Yeah, yeah um, it says that James 4, 13 through 17, if you guys want to read on that one, but it's too long for me to mm-hmm. yeah. go over. Well, so I think we got to clarify what is God's will for our lives, and it's probably specific well, we don't know. to certain Spe- people. Specific <laughs> to each and one of us. Well, if you don't know it, then you can't really follow it. So you have exactly. to you have know to what it is first. Is one thing. So I'll, I'll just say to... what I think it is, I guess, for You're me, right. and also in the general term. So in the general term, I think I've said this before, but... God's will for our lives is to follow him and love others. And when you do like those two things, everything else like kind of falls into place. And then there's obviously more like specific purposes for someone's life. Um, But the general will for God is like, I feel like a lot of people think sometimes like, Oh God has the exact job and the exact person I want to meet. And that's God's will for my life. But I think a lot of times it's just in anything you do have God in it. And that's kind of his will for your life in some situations. And there's always the, always the purpose thing where, like, God wants you to go to this country and minister to these people. And he'll, he'll tell you that clearly if you ask for things like that. But in the general term, God's will for your life is to love him and love others and just be like Jesus, um, in my opinion. Yeah, many and, times so. God will tell you that, um, that he wants you to do something and then you go out and do it. But um, a lot of the time it just plays out how it does, and that's what he wanted. Yeah, so if you follow his, like, commandments and just try to 
be righteous. I think you're following God's will for your life. So that's kind of encouraging because it's not a hard thing to understand. It's more of a hard thing to do. But it might under- it might suck when you're first grasping the concept in the way that, oh, God will always have power over me. And I really, you feel as if you don't have free will at times because yeah. God's purpose will always prevail. But he always has something good for you. Mm-hmm. So, And there's also the flip side of it. If you don't follow God's will and, you're f- and you follow your own will, knowing God's will is at your fingertips if you pray for it. Mm-hmm. Or if you, you know, you or live just your follow life his like commandments. It, yeah. right, if you follow his commandments, your life will go to ruin. Yeah, I mean, that's where most testimonies come from, right? Is where, like, I decided to do this on my own and mm-hmm. I decided to not listen to what God says, right? Don't, didn't know what God had to say for me. And then there's usually a bad result that happens. And then out of that, is a testimony of like, I decided to follow God's will for my life, God's commandments, God's rules in a way, or like, and then my life turned around when I knew that Jesus loved me and that I was actually believing and had faith in that. And I know it's cliche, but one bad choice can just mess up a relationship, your life, your job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, in Jonah that happened. Yeah. That's the biggest example. Same with, uh, Saul to Paul, like, Mm-hmm. He was just killing Christians and Jews and not, not, well, not Jews, but like people that were <coughs> believing in Jesus and God just flipped that around real fast. <laughs> um, and that sometimes like our life doesn't flip around. Like I wish our lives sometimes flipped around like Saul did when he turned to Paul, when he fell off the horse going to Damascus. Like a total, like just a super obvious, yeah, like boom! you messed up, man. This is, you got to change. But sometimes it's more subtle things. Um, and most of the time, it's just slower for people. Yeah. But it's not slow. God's moving you at the right pace. Oh, and that brings us to the testimony thing. We don't have the name of the hat thing. Oh. But I'll just go first on this one. We'll do a hat draw next time. Okay. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I don't have a point in my life where I was not following Jesus. I was doing the wrong things. And then it just flipped for me. I've never had that in my life because I've grown up in a, um, in a family that's loved Jesus and, like, bestowed that knowledge and love in my heart since I can remember. Um, but there's definitely a time in my life, which I think was pretty recently, really. It was like, yes, I knew God existed. I knew he loved me. I knew all that. But then there's a point in your life where you're like, okay, it's not enough just for me to know it. I need to tell other people about it. Um, and that kind of changes your life direction in a way almost where you're like, that's really the ultimate purpose is like, that's also another thing for like God's will for your life. Like once you know God's will for your life, that he loves you, that he cares for you, I think his will for your life is also to tell other people about it. Because without doing that, um, there's no point in, I mean, sharing the gospel and going to all ends of the earth and telling um, people about about him. So sorry. that's... Sorry, um, I have a question. Yes. Um, the way I kind of view it is that people can say that they accept Jesus and that they they believe that he is God and love him as the Lord and Savior. But I kind of don't see that as accepting up until the point. I see it as accepting when you actually start listening to God. Yeah. And start listening following. and living. Yeah. yeah. Living in his shoes. And in a way, that's when you're supposed to start listening to him, but a lot of people just do it and then forget about it and don't care about it. And only in a later time in life, they actually start following him. But what you're supposed to do is when you accept him, like you literally say to God, like, I will follow you and obey you and love you. And I believe that your son like died and did those things for me. That's when you're really supposed to start believing, but a lot of people don't. So, yeah, I guess my question was, when did you actually start listening to God versus just saying, Oh, I, I believe Jesus. Um, I think I've always tried in a way to obey God's laws and not do anything like bad. Like you guys know me, I haven't done anything terrible. Yeah, yeah. I've obviously messed up, but yeah. nothing <laughs> over the top. I mean, we all sin, so it doesn't matter how big my sins are been, but, um, there was this actually a kind of a cool story. So, um, this was like this winter actually, and I was skiing with a friend, and we ducked the rope, and <laughs> yeah. oh, I'll just turn this into a short story. But pretty much, I see we find ski. We're going down this gully, and there's powder. And we're having a good time, but then there's ski patrol down there, boot packing. And if you don't ski, ski patrol gets really mad when you duck ropes and go out of bounds because it's pretty dangerous and you put other people's lives in danger as well as your own yeah within itself so i was like oh crap because i knew if i get caught they're going to take my pass for a certain amount of time um and i love skiing so i want to keep skiing so um i'm like okay we go none of them are wearing skis 
they're boot packing. <laughs> so I'm obviously faster than they are. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I go down there and they're like they they like they're 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 mad and they they start talking to me and I decide that I can only speak German because my first language <laughs> was German. <laughs> so I'm just like trying to act like I just only know German, which I, I do know German, so it's pretty believable. And um, I told my friend I was going to do this. Like we were talking about this on the chairlift before we even ran to ski patrol as like kind of a joke. And I just kind of went with it. Oh <laughs> um, and I didn't, I wasn't exactly aware of where she was, but I was just like, if we gun it, we got to gun it. Um, and so I just decided to go Oh, <laughs> and the patrol starts <laughs> running after me <laughs> in the, but like in the deep powder. Yeah. So he like almost gets me, but I get away and, um, I look behind me. And my friend falls. Oh no! And I'm like, oh no! Do I stop and wait and actually be a good person and help this? But I'm like, nope. I need to keep skiing. <laughs> I need my ski pass. I cannot stop skiing. I don't want to get my pass pulled. So I just go and I hide behind a tree. And there is ski patrol like zooming past me on snowmobiles, and you just hear on the radio, "Kid, yellow backpack, white jacket." Like he, he just like dipped, and so they're, they're everywhere looking for me, and I'm behind. They're like going like five feet in front of me behind. I'm just hiding behind this tree, and I have oh a gosh. white jacket with camo on it, so I'm pretty camouflaged. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, this is like GTA in real life. Um, it's got five stars. But short story short, um, I made up with her back at the bottom, and. Like through the past few like days after, like they talked to her obviously because she got caught because she fell, <laughs> and they kind of interrogated her a lot until they figured out what my name was, and that way they could figure out what like lift ticket I had, and then just flagged my pass so I couldn't ski anymore. And so it was a long process of talking to ski patrol with police. It was like a big deal. Um, but what I learned out of it is like at the moment when I decided to run, I realized that in my heart I just cared about myself i was selfish and i didn't care really what happened to the other person as much as i cared of what was going to happen to me i didn't care to stay and make sure that everything was okay and that i stayed together with my friend but i just left them and they had to deal with everything on their own um and i kind of realized that and i told that to the police and they thought that was a good story so eventually i got my pass back <laughs> but it, it was a true thing like i realized like yeah i was selfish I did the wrong thing, but in the future, I want to not care about my own consequences and more care what happens to the other person and that they get out of it okay. So that's kind of a point I think where it, I got in my head like, yes, I I am not as good as I thought I was. Yeah, and that um, reminds me of a verse. It's Philippians 2.3, and it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but rather in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Dang, that's on top of your head. That's, that's pretty good. It's one of my favorite verses right there. It's written on there? Oh, yeah. well, not good. the whole thing. Oh, I, got I, like, it, I, got, I got it on Etsy. <laughs> yeah, <it's> on, <laughs> Matthew's that's got the whole cool. verse written on a grain of rice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, when I was little, I would, like, I, I've told this, but I'd, like, run up on church and worship. I'd be, like, in my house just, like, worshiping God, like, making up my own songs. And, like, m my parents were those people that would just, like, I didn't watch a lot of like Elmo or stuff like that. Like I would just watch Bible cartoons <laughs> all the time. So like me and my brother were the kind of kids in like in Bible school that were like s way smarter than all the other kids Bible wise. And we could just like, we knew all the stories. <laughs> we knew all that. But even if you know all those stories, it doesn't mean you're a good person. You still got to um, follow yeah. Jesus um, and kind of like realize that you still are selfish and that Jesus is the only one that can yeah, save you. And mm -hmm. having the knowledge of just the Bible is not what's going to save you. It's yeah. the it's relationship. It's not just the knowledge. It's the reason behind the having faith. the knowledge, first yeah. of all. And second, whether you bear good fruit with that knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's like it, in uh, in James, I think, too. It talks about faith and deeds, where mm -hmm. you, can't, you can have as much faith as you would like. But it doesn't mean that as long if you don't have deeds to go along with it to show that you are doing what's right, then yeah, you're not Something to support to. your... Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my story. Um, kind of exciting, but kind of not. And obviously my testimony, we're pretty young, so our testimonies are still in the beginning stages of our testimony. Like there's still plenty of things that are going to happen that I can add to this story to help people also come to Jesus. Because that's really what a testimony is. It's to tell this is what my life was like before Jesus and this was what it was like after and hopefully encourage those people that um, you're, 
your switch can also be their switch in a way. And that's like a thing too. Like sometimes you're like, oh, my testimony is boring. I don't want to talk about it. Like there's people that are drug like lures and then turn into like Christians. It's like, those are way more powerful. But actually like listening to someone with the, the same story that you have, that like if I hear someone else be like, yeah, I've always been a Christian, blah, blah, blah. That's almost more powerful than listening to someone like, oh, is it, I was a drug lord. Like you can't relate to those people sometimes. Yeah, I was just about to say like my story it's plain and simple, but yeah. the majority of us who are Christians have just a nice plain and simple story. Mm-hmm. Being able to relate, I'd say, is more powerful than having a huge turnaround in yeah. life. It's inspiring in, for turnarounds, but it's a lot mm-hmm. more uh, impactful if you just know that somebody was just like you and is still powering through. Exactly. And at one point in my life, I'm like, I have a pretty boring testimony. Like, God, why, why didn't I have anything cool happened to me yeah that i but (laughs) i wouldn't describe it as cool but at the the same time it was like i'm really happy that i've always been with god yeah because it just gives you like peace in your heart like you've never done anything super bad so Mm -hmm. it's just like you don't have to live with anything terrible that you do although when you're forgiving you don't have to live with it either but it's harder well cool um we have a ton of q a if you guys want to hop into that right away Okay. I think it's going to take a while to answer Soundboard? Q&A time. <laughs> <laughs> the only sound effect we're using. Okay. Um, so should we just read the first long question? Or no, didn't you want to talk about... Um, no, I had the. I had an answer for that. Here, yeah, no, gonna, didn't you want to... What was... The, oh, the, the capital the punishment. punishment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which, um, should we answer that one first? So last episode we brought up capital order. punishment. Uh, do we have the question for that one? What does the Bible say so, about capital What do we think about and capital punishment? And that's why we yeah. brought... Wolf Wolfgang, <laughs> who was once a former very right-wing <laughs> person. I'll put it that way. Okay. Former politician, let's say. Yeah, I used to be in politics a lot, so I kind of researched this. But I didn't know the biblical perspective on it, so I mean, it was kind of nice uh, to research that as well. So I, I looked at two different things first. I looked at what over, or sorry, I looked at one thing, but it's two parts. I looked at what overlaps between the Bible and our actual laws. So with the Bible, things such as incest, bestiality, homosexuality, and murder, and even, I think adultery might even be punishable by death. But there's a lot of things that are punishable. Yeah, it is, because like in the Bible, Mm -hmm. someone did adultery and they wanted to stone him, and Jesus was like, well, whoever has never done it or has never thought about it, throw the first stone. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, and then I looked at our, our laws, the U.S. laws, um, which is like rape of a child, murder, mass murder, um, terrorism, things mm-hmm. such as that. Um, and I decided that the only two that actually overlapped, as far as I could find, was um, murder. And murder is actually kind of a special one in the Bible because it's the only one that I found kind of outside of Exodus and Leviticus. It says in Genesis, after God, I think either before or after God flooded the earth, he said... Um, Probably not, Cain killed Abel? No, no, no. It was after... He said it to Noah. He said, whoever sheds blood will have their blood shed. And um, and then it was also... Even Jesus talked about murder in, in his Sermon on the Mount. He said that um, if you are to uh, lay your hands on another... Or, sorry, murder somebody, basically, um, you will, you will uh, be judged by God. So, I mean, as far as the biblical perspective goes, not only does it kind of condone it, it almost encourages it. I mean, that might not sound the best to everyone. I mean, the majority of Americans do support the death penalty still. Um, But yeah, the Bible almost encourages it, saying that it has to be done if someone is to murder somebody. Just in the Old Testament or also in the New Testament? uh, Mostly just in the Old Testament. Because in the New Testament, Testament, mm -hmm. there's grace. So even like the worst sins can be redeemed. But, and Jesus also says, like, even if you think about murder, you've committed murder in a sense. Yeah. I mean, but Jesus says you'll be judged, which, I mean, could be interpreted a lot of different ways. Well, I think if you, like we say in testimonies, if you repent after that and you realize you did wrong, but if you've already repented, you know it's wrong and you're doing it, then that there's a problem with that for yeah. sure. And there's a problem ma- with you doing it before as well, but you just don't know it. The one well. major difference between our government and God is that through God, you're saved by grace. Most of the time, if you're some sort if of... If you accept his grace. If you accept his if grace, not. right. <laughs> yeah. So, by hell, which is a bit of a new. So if you repent from your sin, let's say you murder somebody and then you come to know God. Yeah. You, so, you will still receive the punishment from our government. Yeah. And our... Law. Yeah, that's true. Although, um, although 
it should happen. I mean, capital punishment is kind of just how God says it should happen, although it is, and it might take relief off your heart. Like, let's say the Boston Marathon bomber, per se, I didn't, uh, if he were to be killed. Um, it would take relief off your heart that that man's no longer out there and able mm-hmm. to hurt people. But at the same time, Christians should take no pride in what they have to do to um, complete God's law, per se. Yeah. Well, and ultimate judgment is up to God in heaven. So that's really where the true justice is done. So it's not really up to us to complete true justice, but sometimes certain measures have to be taken to account for other people's safety and well-being. Yeah, and I mean, it's to follow God's word is what you need to do. But the thing is, is that God said that you have to put an end to a murderer is kind of how it is. Okay. Well, nice. I think we answered that question. So... All There's right, let's a lot of start it off with the Q&A. Right. Aiden? In your next podcast, can you explain in detail how Jesus' death at crucifixion saves us? The Bible says that Jesus is our Savior, that if we put trust in him and believe in him, we will receive his gift of eternal life. But how does his death wash away our sins, and why did he have to die to save us? I understand <laughs> it more and more, but I still have trouble understanding it fully. So, I decided to go where no man has gone before. In, um his notes <laughs> <laughs> into Mark and um, I read the whole book and then I right, hear while you're ready to read that I'll just clarify the question I guess yeah no okay. go ahead so I mean, they're just asking um, I think this is the next person's question but um, they're asking why did Jesus have to die on the cross for our sins why couldn't God just be like okay your sins are forgiven it's okay no one has to die nothing has to happen and then what does it mean for Jesus to have died on the cross like what does his death, why did he have to die and why was it important? I guess is the question, I think. Mm-hmm. So the Gospel of Mark explains Jesus' crucifixion in detail. In Mark 10, it, it is said that, um, quote, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, which means Jesus is, like, it sh- it, that just represents Jesus' selflessness, selflessness to the mortal. Um and what he represented while he was on earth. In Mark 15, the whole story of how he was crucified is also explained. Quote, they put Yeshua in chains. Yeshua is Jesus, by the way. Led him away and handed him to uh, Pilate. Pilate put, his, put this question to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, the words are yours, meaning Jesus was not a self-proclaimed king. Pilate again inquired him, aren't you going to answer? Look how many charges they are making against you. But Yeshua made no response to Pilate's amazement. The soldiers led him away inside the palace and called together the whole battalion. They dressed him in purple and wove thorn branches into a crown, which they put on him. Then they began to salute him. Hail to the king of the Jews, as mockery. Yeah. Um, like and I just want to explain the significance of the moment before. Like Jesus could have saved himself right there and then by telling him, no, I'm not the king. These people are just making things up. You can let me go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, continue. They brought Yeshua to a, a place called Golgotha, or place of a skull, and they gave him wine spiced with myrrh, but he didn't take it, end quote. So after being nailed to the cross by his wrists, because people say that it was by the hands, but I don't know. No, it's by the wrists, because if you did it by the hands, then it your would just rip would, off. Yeah, it would fall it off. goes between your uh, mm-hmm. radius and ulna. The Roman soldiers made fun, quote, he saved others, but he can't save himself. And so he's the Messiah, isn't he? The king of, the, of Israel? Let him come down. Ah, let him come down from the stake. If we see that, then we'll believe him. End quote. Even then, the fellow—I made up a word here—the fellow crucifixionees insulted Yeshua, like playing along with the Roman soldiers. I think it depends on the gospel that you look at. One of them says that they're both making fun of him, and another one says that one was making fun, and the other one says, "Are you? What are you doing? He's the Son of God. Leave him alone." I think Luke says that. What's that? Talking about the two, are we talking about the two sinners on the yeah. side too? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the story is one of them doesn't um, is like making fun of God and like just doesn't get it, and the other one guy, the other guy's like, yeah, I know you're the savior, um, and then Jesus is pretty much, you will spend eternity with me in heaven, kind of thing. They were hung at nine a.m. Mm-hmm. and then at noon, d- quote, darkness covered the whole land until three o'clock in the afternoon. At three. He, Jesus, uttered a loud cry in Hebrew. My God, my God, why have you deserted me? 
Wait, a bystander said. Let's see if Eliyahu will come down. Will come and take him down. But Yeshua let out a loud cry and gave up his spirit. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw the way he gave up his spirit, he said, This man really was the Son of God. End quote. So, though it's not said, it's not said like after his death that he died specifically for our sin, you take it from a perspective, or you put yourself in that perspective where you are sent to be the ultimate example of selflessness. Bless, Bless you. You are sent you to be... interrupt yourself. <laughs> you are sent to be the, ult, like, the ultimate ex- um, example of selflessness to a bunch of people that aren't as powerful as you. And the best way you can do that is to give up your life. So the way that I kind of looked at it, and the reason we know that is because Jesus did that. That's what I said. Very good. There we go. The the way that I kind of looked at it, and this might seem a bit, uh, like, broad, I guess you could say. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to put it, but the way that I kind of looked at it is, you take a man, or for this instance, it's Jesus, and you take all the debt from every single person in the world. And you lay it on top of one man, which in this case is Jesus. And then you kill that man. And now nobody has any more debt. Um, That's a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the only, the reason why it was so significant is because he was the son of God. In which the son of God took all the sins of man, which he didn't have to do. God, he, Jesus had no responsibility to go out and go, so sweet. I'm going... <laughs> I'm going to take every single person's sin, past, present, and future, and I'm going to lay it on myself. And so long as they want to know me, they can then have eternal life in heaven with me and my Father. And then he ended up dying and resurrecting himself. And self <laughs> It was, uh, I don't know, it's just an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, so just to put it kind of more literally... Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice because all those animals before, they would just like atone for small little things and Jesus atoned for everything. And the only way, like a normal human can die for us because they were also sinners. The significance of Jesus dying for us is he was literally perfect. He was a human that was perfect. And when you have the perfect sacrifice, you can atone for all those unperfect people. And so it's like, there's a really good video I just I watched on this. Here, I'll play it for you guys. When Jesus died, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son and glorify yourself. And the Father came back and said, I have glorified it, my name, and I will glorify it again. The way to understand Jesus' substitutionary death under God's wrath is that he is doing it in such a way as to glorify, magnify the infinite worth of the glory of God. God's glory has been trampled by people like us. Every time we prefer something to the glory of God, we demean the glory of God and we do it every day. Since his Glory has been impugned and belittled. He has to exalt his glory by punishing sinners and saying, my glory is infinitely valuable. If you trample my glory, you lose glory. And I restore my glory by your losing glory. Jesus enters in and he is able to do what no human could do. This is why there's a difference. No human ever, ever could do this in a, law, in a court of law. He is so perfect, and he suffers so much, and his motives are so Godward that when he dies on the cross, what is manifest is, look how valuable the glory of God is. If a mom stepped forward in a courtroom and said, let me take my son's place, let me take my son's place, please, we all know that would be unjust. She goes to the electric chair, and this son goes on to sin more. Well, the two differences are she's not doing that to magnify the worth of the state. 
God. She's doing it to magnify the words of her son. And that's not what's happening at the cross. And number two, she's freeing the son untransformed to go into the world and sin some more. And those are the very two things that are different about the death of Jesus. Jesus dies not to magnify the sinner's worth, but to magnify God's worth. And he dies and changes those who escape from hell. He doesn't just release uh, more sin upon the world. He puts the Holy Spirit in our lives and begins to transform us into the image of Christ so that we bring more glory to the Father than if we had been left in our sin. So that's that question answered, I think. Right? Now let's answer, answer the, the question that question we were actually answer. going to answer. Soundboard. Yeah. All right. So the question, next question we have is from um, Alexandria. Um, and this is what she says. Hey, I'm an Al Alexandria. I think that's how you say your name. I'm listening from Colorado, and I'm 14 years old. I have a wonderful family, sister, it's, mom. It's, it's Alessandra, by the way. Alessandra? Okay. Here's a tiny part of my testimony. I accepted Jesus when I was seven, but I hadn't realized the importance of it until last year when I had nothing to do, and I was getting convicted a lot. But now I have definitely grown in my relationship, and it's something that I want to do, and is something I want to do and not have to do. At first, I had to force myself to pray, read the Bible, etc., but now those things are stuff that I want to do, and I'm glad God has helped me get through that. I have struggled many times, but growing in my faith helps me to not give up and fall back into my laziness. But other than that, I've been praying, playing guitar in my worship team for at least four, five and a half years now, I think. Lol. I have an amazing worship group, and I have an amazing youth group and two best friends. Although I do go to Spanish church because my dad's Hispanic and he's the pastor, even though I should know how to fully speak Spanish, I don't. I'm getting there, though. Yes, it's hard to communicate with some of the worship group members when they lead, when the lead guitarist is gone, but I'm thankful that most of the members speak English as well. My mind doesn't comprehend how grateful I should be that he gave me the talent to worship him, but I want to be more grateful, kind of relating to Luke's testament for photography and how he talent. uses it to glorify Luke's talent or photography and how he uses it to glorify God if I got that right yes you did um, I also have a question that relates to this but I wrote it further down but that about sums up my testimony I have many questions someone else want to start reading that? yeah I can do it perfect I have many questions and I try to uh, my best to let God answer them first but a lot of times I just don't get answers and I'm unsure if God's telling me or it's just a fake godly voice in my head that's speaking through my own thoughts. It's a little weird but since I overthink everything along with all the questions I have ridiculous things will just happen. So this is my first question. Um, I guess her first question is um, does she actually know that it's God talking to her? Yeah. So my answer to that um, I'll just go first. You guys can go after me. Um, is God doesn't always answer through a voice in your head or a verbal voice. Like most, all my answers are found through the word or through other people. So like your answer could be answered through this podcast, through a random person. If you like ask God, show me something, he can work through people and through his word to answer that question for you. It doesn't necessarily have to be a voice in your head or a loud voice you hear. So that's, that's my answer to that question. You can hear God through a lot of different ways, and he can answer you through pretty much any way fathomable. And then the so. second part to that is hearing God in your head. Well, well you have to look out for very little things because God's word in your head might be, I love you. You're special. Mm -hmm. It could be something as subtle as that. And even in your real life, very subtle things are God is doing to work within you, and you just have to put the time in and understand what he was doing to work with you yeah. in your life. Mm -hmm. And also give time to actually listen to that voice and listen for the voice or watch for the things that God is trying to and tell And to you. answer the question of do you know it's God's voice, if it comes, if let's say you hear a voice or a sentence in your head, Look to the Bible first. I think, I think first. you'll know if it's God. You'll know. Yeah. Um, but look to the Bible first if you're unsure. And if it's not godly by any means, yeah. or it causes question. The Bible will never God. contradict God's word and the God's voice. So The way that I kind of looked at it was um, if it's what God would say, per se. Like if God goes, oh, yeah, you can go to that party. You can do this a little bit. It's not God. But if God's like, okay, well, if you want to go to that party, make sure that you're there to, one, not sin to maybe even spread the word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of time doesn't have to be him directly talking to you. You just know what his 
answer would be because you know the Bible. Yeah, and you that's know where what the, he would his say. will crosses into this question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I think we answered that pretty well. Do I want to do the second question now? No. Uh, Matthew, do you want to read for me, this was one? It? Matthew, you want to read the second oh. question? <laughs> yeah. Uh, where, which Th- one is this? This is a very long and very good testimony slash question. Is this, this is the longest we've gotten, so congratulations on that one. Start right here. Oh, my second question has two parts, but I can say the same for both. How do I know that I truly love God, and it's not something that I just say? Like, I want to love God more and more each day, but how do I know if I truly love him? Same with my faith. How do I know I truly have faith when it's not something I falsely believe? It's a really hard question, but if you guys could answer this, I would. that, w- that would be awesome. Okay, I'm going to go first on this one. So kind of when I asked Luke earlier and I said, when did you start listening to God? That's when I kind of counted as you truly start loving God and start following him. Because I accepted Jesus um, probably last year at around January or February. and was um, an Yeah, okay, whatever. Probably around January or February. But I didn't actually start listening to him until about August, September. So I didn't re- I'm not going to count it up until that point. Um, so I, what I kind of think is, is that if you, if you truly love God, you will do what he wants you to do, and you'll do what he says, and you'll listen to the Bible, you'll pray, pray to him, and um, just move on with your life through him. And I think the fact that she's even asking that question goes to show that she wants to pursue God and that she does love God. Because if you're asking, like, I want to love this, and I, I don't know how, it, it kind of already, already just, like, proves that you do love God mm-hmm. in a way. And to even push it further... Even like, let's say you're in the state of, I don't know if I love God and you're sinning and you know, it's wrong and you hate when you sin. If you that's, know it's that's, wrong, then you know, yeah, that's how you know God. the Holy Spirit's inside of you because it's, it's, it abhors it. Yeah. And like, it's working through I wrote you. this down. Whenever you get saved, God will allow you to sin, but you will not enjoy it anymore because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's what you exactly. just said. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if, if you know, if you feel that thing you're doing is wrong then you have the Holy Spirit inside you, your conscience telling you that's wrong. And that's when you know you really have God's word and his truth uh, ingrained in you. So that, that's how you know that. Um, I'll read the, the other one. This is a hard question. When I play guitar on stage every Sunday, I understand that I'm doing it for God and not the audience. But honestly, I never feel like I truly enjoy it. Like there's no excitement in me when I play. This has led me to question myself if it actually if I actually play guitar to glorify God or if I'm doing it just to have something to do. So I think the question here is really like I'm trying to do God's will or like I'm trying to be a good Christian but it's not fun. Yeah. Um, I mean sometimes it's not going to be fun. Yeah. But I mean if God gave you the talent of using the guitar and and um you're able to use it to glorify him, I mean you say that you aren't having fun but I don't see how that wouldn't be fun. I, I think mean, I think the are you go ahead in. Maybe you're missing a step that you might have to take in order to really enjoy worship through music. Um I don't know like how your church works, but you might be able to talk to like the director of music if it's not you. <laughs> <laughs> and and um and just like I don't know, choose your own songs. Um when you have free time Look for worship songs that you actually enjoy because um, I took the time to do that recently and I actually, like I didn't think I liked worship music until I listened to a lot of these songs, you know? So when you have the time, try something new, you know? Um, do something and like even that if or you don't, even write your own song, you know? Yeah, you well, that's what I'm about to say. Even if you don't like any of the worship music, make some worship music that you'll like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes when you don't like something, it's because you don't understand it. So if you aren't in-depth enough with God and you don't think that your relationship is all too there and ready to uh, to fully worship him, then you're not going to enjoy it. And here's another thing you got to think about too is like when you only think about what you get out of it, um, you'll kind of be sad and depressed. But when you use your, your skill of playing the guitar or worshiping um, to encourage others and impact their life, it like there's no greater joy in life than seeing how like someone's life can change because of your impact on them. Like you're super young. It's super inspiring to see a young girl up on stage worshiping the Lord. Like, uh, yeah, that's really cool by the way. I, yeah. I don't, Especially I, starting <laughs> at age nine. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't, I, I, you've like, you've encouraged us and I can't imagine how many people you've encouraged at that church of someone so young worshiping the Lord. And it's not all about making you happy. 
in that sense. It's about using that to encourage others. And through their encouragement and through their change of heart, you can also get joy and happiness and um, fulfillment through that. Yeah. So so while it may seem not fun or boring, you you never know. You could have changed someone's heart. Yeah. You could have changed someone's life. Mm-hmm. So find happiness through that. And that also leads me to, that leads me to say that, what was I going to say? Luke, you, you go, I'll think of it. So like, yeah, I mean, I just also want to say in this podcast, like we always have a super fun time and that's, I don't think we would have such a good time if we didn't have people that actually gained understanding from it. Like if no one listened to this, we'd probably still have fun, but it's just so cool to see people's, what they gain from it. So we know we're actually helping. And that's probably a lot harder when you're worshiping and playing the guitar. Like maybe people will come up to you and like congratulate you. But I know that people are, are gaining encouragement from you doing that. So keep it up um, and find happiness and through that. Not so. only, not only is it encouraging them or sorry, no, yeah. Not only are you encouraging other people like us talking to you, it also encourages us. Yeah. Cause we have to go into the Bible and we have to research what you guys want to know. You don't have to. We, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I like doing it, yeah. but yeah, we it it allows me to get closer to God while also helping other people. Mm-hmm. So it's a I, mutual benefit. So I remember what I was going to say. So my mom brought this up to me yesterday, and she's like, why, why is everyone so angry nowadays? She's like, I keep running into more and more people that just are angry for... S- for no reason. They just put me down for no reason. True. And that led True. me to believe that, you know... Words words hurt people, and if even something as just a simple compliment can even just make someone's day turn their life around, because in it, if you lift a person up, then they might have encouragement to keep going. Because no, people did. who are so angry just even just put me down as yeah. a Christian. It's just like wow. Okay. I don't want to go on too big of a tangent, but I actually want to add on to that. I'm grateful someone else noticed how angry people are these days, <laughs> but um. It's so easy to be angry these days, too. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, so no, many things to complain about good and so many there's easy ways to, to portray your about. anger. But when you show that to the world, you're not bearing good fruit, first of all. But second, what I've been doing when people show me that side of themselves, you know, and these are random people, I don't know. Good example, I was getting on the bus the, bus the other night from work. You need a mask to ride the bus system in our valley. And I didn't have a mask because I'm not required to wear one at work. So I asked one of the people who works for the transit center, I was like, ma'am, do you have a mask? And she's like, no, nope, you'll have to get one on the, on the bus. Sorry, I don't have any. And I'm like, okay, sorry, because <laughs> she didn't seem too happy. And um, as I'm walking up to the bus, I'm waiting behind another person getting on. A man walks up and he's like, sir, you need a mask to get on the bus. I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm going to get one on the bus. The bus driver as I'm reaching into a bag to grab a mask. He's like, you need a mask, young man. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I put it on. I pass. I'm like, I'm going to intercept plot. God loves you. And I sit down. Nice. So I just think a little, like, a simple, God loves you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It gets their mind going. Listen, I still, I just, I just still want to tell people. Yeah. I'll put in a funny clip here of when we, <laughs> me, Jonah, and Lewis were, uh, skiing and we just like shout that at people and hand out brownies it was pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) hi i'm jonah and i am the stuntman and i'm usually the first one to try everything out hi i'm lewis and i do a little bit of everything i'm luke and i'm the cameraman today we are skiing on buttermilk but we're not just skiing we're sharing the love of christ and we're not just sharing the love of Christ by being good people, but we are passing out these. They are little brownies that say Jesus loves you on them, and we're sharing them with all the lifties that are operating the lift. So let's go do this. Jesus loves you! Yeah, it was fun. Okay, um, I also just want to add to that that once you don't have to, once you, there's things to complain about, but you don't complain about it. 
then you've made it. You know it. what I find the craziest thing? I was just talking to my mom about this. The people who complain the most are the people with the most money. Yeah. Why do you <laughs> complain when you have running water at your fingertips? Well, more money what? doesn't take problems away. It just adds no, it's a, a lot more as well. It adds problems, but there's no need to complain. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll just finish off our question. I think that's all my questions I have for now. But other than that, I truly enjoyed this podcast. I've listened to every episode at least twice now, lol. But I think... <laughs> but I love hearing other people, te- other people's testimonies, personal experiences, because I can relate to them in many, um, relate to many. And it's also a way God answers my question. So yeah, you've answered your own question um, down here of how do I hear God? Mm-hmm. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Um, if it's God's will, of course, but I thank God that he, ha- he led me to this podcast. It's just so nice to listen to something that will help me in the future and listening to people that are funny. <laughs> it's double it's a double, hom- double homicide, if that's appropriate to use in this case. <laughs> um, but I don't know. That's that's what I was adding on to because uh, earlier she said because everyone like, gets she, offended. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was mentioning. Um, oh yeah, jeez. Or <laughs> say double. Or, homicide. Okay, wait. We're not gonna go. So, into no, right I. Now. She she to, on a tangent. But no, I don't no, mean no. that if it comes off in a horrible way. Matthew, um, if you want to rant, I say go ahead. Okay, I just want to. I just want to rant about. Oh my gosh. I was going to say, oh my goodness. All right. Anyways, what I wanted to say is the people with the new Olympics, this New Year's Olympics, how they complain about the country they live in and they don't even support our own country they live in. Matthew, you are complaining about people complaining. I know. I'm just just saying it. It's hypocritical. It created a loophole. It created a loophole. (laughs) Oh, also she thinks that Matthew, you look like... Now with yeah, no, we, we read that yeah. yesterday. It's um, the eyebrows. Yeah, it's the eyebrows. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, but whatever. Um, um, what's the guy's name? Michelle Mitchell from Baby. I'm sure it's Babysitter's a vampire. I don't know. Never seen that. I've never... Uh, what's the actor's name? I don't know. Atticus Mitchell. Atticus Mitchell. Yeah, it's the Lewis eyebrows. says it's true. Confirmed. I also want to clear that up. It bothers me how offended people get nowadays. Okay. Yeah. Just want to say Are you that. complaining about yeah, it? As a Christian, you should be I'm, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to complain about Do it. Do people just, getting offended offend you? <laughs> I just want to say... It's off- it, it offends me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, Luke. All right, so this is from Char Garber. <laughs> hey, short question. Do you guys have some Christian advice on how to be yourself around others, not constantly caring about what they might think? It kind of happens unconsciously all the time. And I just th- can't stop it. Let it slip out sometimes. And then eventually people will understand it. That's kind of what I did. Let, around my family. Uh, let it slip out. That it'll like be like, oh, thank, well, not thank God. People say that all the time. But something like, I think, something like, uh, well, Jesus brought me here or whatever. Like once you get to a car ride and your car breaks down or something. I'd, you say yeah. little religious things here and there. People start understanding <laughs> it. And then maybe they do the same thing. Maybe not. You kind of... You kind of sit there and listen for it. That's kind of just what I do with my family sometimes. I'll say something religious, and um, but they already know I'm religious. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just be bold in it. Like, it's it's hard for all of us. I'm not saying I do it all. Like, I'm not good at this either, but it's it's something that could save someone else's life. So Just do it until you're comfortable. Yeah. And then, yeah, you'll be able to go from there. Okay, so this is a really good question, and it's going to take a little bit to answer, but I think we just go for it. Um, so the first question is, what are our thoughts on soulmates? Do you believe that God has a specific person for you to marry, or is it just a choice of free will? Do you guys believe that there is one person, or more depending on the situation, that you are specifically supposed to end up with, and who you will be able to bring to bring the most glory to God with as opposed to anyone else? And if love is a choice, then how can you have a soulmate? I have this conversation with a group of friends the other night and we mostly all came to different conclusions. So I have a, like so a, a good answer for friends. this, but if you guys have anything to say, go I, ahead. I have something to say, but I'll go after Aiden. Aiden. You go, you go, you go ahead. Um, I mean, I, I wasn't going to give a clear answer, but I, oh. I, I was going to say that like, if you love through God and you know that it's God that you're loving through, then I don't really know how many ones you're going to find. <laughs> okay, so you the know? way that I kind of look at it is God does know everything. God knows the past, present, and future. I'm not kidding. 
Yeah. So <laughs> wow. in the future, he knows who you're going to be with. And if he doesn't want you with that person, you're not going to end up with that person. It's just well, kinda, it's still your choice, though. It is your choice. He'll let God, you know but if he, he knows what you're going to do anyways. But like we said, it's God's will, not yours. If you follow don't God's do will. You, do God. you don't have to follow God's will. You technically don't, but God's will will always prevail. So Not necessarily. That's why people go to hell and heaven. If he, if his will always prevailed, everyone would go to heaven. Yeah, would I you agree? So. I mean, that's a whole different topic, but we'll get into that later. But yeah, God knows who you're going to end up with. And as long as you follow him, yeah, you'll, you'll end up with the right person. Soulmates, I mean, soulmate, the whole definition is basically just who you're going to end up, who you are going to end off with. And so, well, I think the definition of soulmates is like there's off. one person out there in, you, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. universe, and if you find that person, it'll be the perfect relationship in a way. Yeah, but there's some people who just quote unquote never find a soulmate, mm-hmm. and then there's other people who say there's someone there for everyone. I mean, there it's a very complicated subject, but I I genuinely do think that everybody is made for somebody else, and God will have you to meet eventually, based on whether or not you choose to be with that person, that's a whole different story. Yeah. Also, speaking to the few men out there... <laughs> the 30% 30 percent audience. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> speaking to the few men out there who might be single like I am... <laughs> sounds so sad it, saying that. Maybe... Yeah, everyone except Wolfgang. It might sound sad right now, but maybe God doesn't have a plan for you to end up with any girls. I'm just going to say <laughs> it. That's the hard truth. He might want you. Uh, no, I'm just going to say he might want you because girls distract you from God's word. That is true. A lot yeah, of the, the Bible time does say. Do the, even the Bible says it that you put your, you put most of your. Um, the Bible pretty much says don't get married unless your desires are too strong then get married. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you see what happens in my relationship is that we encourage each other. So, Every night we'll be like, okay, do you want to read now? Because I have my own book that I'm going in right now, and then I have a book with her that mm-hmm. I'm studying as well. So, I mean, if the person's encouraging you to be closer to God, then, yeah, that should be a relationship that you stay in. But if someone's pulling you away from God, trying to get you to go to parties, have sex with them, things like that, it's not something that you want to be a part of. It's As long as they bring you closer to God, then I think it is a good relationship. Also, I want to bring up something about about... about Love. Here, let me answer this the question first. Okay, okay. Okay. I got some Bible verses. Proverbs He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So it doesn't say he who finds the wife or he who finds his soulmate finds a good thing. It says he who finds a wife, which is kind of referring to more. There's a bigger pool to choose from, I guess. Um, 1 Corinthians 7.39 says, A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives but if her husband dies she is free to marry anyone she wishes but he must belong to the lord so here he's saying um if your husband dies you can marry someone else which kind of refers to there's not that one person that you are supposed to be with and if that person does like dies or doesn't exist then you're done for you don't have any other perfect relationships um so i'm just like pointing out verses that kind of point to that nowhere in the bible says is the word soulmates so i don't personally believe that there's one person in the universe that's for you i believe that if you find someone that has the same principles and values in jesus and god as you do and and the correct principles um then that's a perfect relationship but like if you think about it if there's two perfect christians together nothing can go wrong and i'm saying i'm not saying that exists because all of us have our downfalls there's no such thing as a perfect (laughs) christian yeah Yeah. i mean there's still going to be hardships but if you're loving each other and putting God first in a relationship, you yeah overcome. You're set. So and there's there's a lot of people out there. That we know this. We've been want married. to do that. <laughs> yeah, we know we know the answer. We've been married. All We're right. all good. I just want to say about love between a man and a woman. Oh wait, yeah. also right. okay. Oh, you go first. Yeah. Soulmates focus on finding or focus more on finding the right person instead of using that time and effort to become the right person for our future spouse. Okay, perfect. So soulmates focus more on finding the right person. Okay, so. I've been talking, I've talked with my friends before. It's like, I don't, I don't want to wait till marriage because if I really love this girl, I'm going to have sex with her. And I'm, I'm like, eh, do you re- you don't really know you love her because I've had an instance where my friend, you know, he had sex with the girl, the relationship went on and then it just broke off. And he's like, wow, 
Well, I really regret that. Like, I thought I was going to marry that I girl. The only true love is found in Jesus Christ. I think if you want to have sex with someone before you're married, then it's pro it's more desire than love. Wolfkin, can you stop trying to let go? <laughs> Talking about sex, oh I've got to Got a gorilla grip. <laughs> all right, see, so I guess what we want to just clear up on is instead of looking for the person, being on Tinder all day and trying to find somebody with all your might, just focus more on you and God's relationship and the right person will come along. The okay, right by a show comes. of hands, who here thinks that dating apps work? Uh, kind of? I don't know. No, he raised his hand, by the way. Keep that hand down. Dating apps <laughs> do not work. ChristianMingle.com <laughs> Oh, yep. Jonah raised his hand and Robbie raised his hand. Let, let Aiden okay. sit down first. There we go. Okay, just to finish off Hannah's question, um, I'm sorry that was so long. It was a great question, by the way. Um, this, is what, this one's a bit shorter. Okay, so here's the verse she's referring to. It's 1 Timothy 2.9. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and proper pri what's this word? Pro pro proprietary, proprietary. <laughs> adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Okay. So first Timothy is a very, very um, controversial verse that tears churches apart with conflict because further down when you read, it's also the chapter that talks about that women shouldn't preach in the church, mm. but we, we have to look at the full context of this. So this, this was written by Paul, obviously first, uh, Timothy the man. written by um, a man about women. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, pretty much Paul is writing this as a letter to a church in, um, Ephesus and the church there has been corrupt with a bunch of false teachers and false doctrine. Um, so Paul sends his boy Timothy on this mission to clear things up at this church in Ephesus because there's a bunch of false teachings going on. And so the first thing, he, he addresses a bunch of the issues going on there. For example, there's, um, there's people that are like having these, there's men that are having these big arguments on theological things. And <laughs> pretty much Timothy's just like, um, learn how to pray. That's his solution to that problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, and then um, it goes on to talk about these women who are dressed in crazy like wardrobes and like super expensive clothes um, and treated the church like a fashion show almost. The reason why he's, they say in this verse to not adorn yourselves with gold, jewelry, and all this stuff is because the other people that didn't have all those things felt shameful going into God's house with the lesser like um, looks in a way. I guess like lesser, they didn't feel as worthy when they weren't wearing and those God clothes. God doesn't have favorites, so to write But there. Paul just just wanted to make sure that if if someone's like wearing super lavish things and treating church like a fashion show, that's obviously not the right thing to do. They're there mm -hmm. to worship God and do things about God, not make themselves look good. So he's just saying that so people, so that the women stopped, you know, adorning themselves like that. And then it also goes to say, like, I guess, like, I mean, I think her question is more related to, like, girls wearing, like, super tight leggings or, like, stuff like these days mm -hmm. is probably right. what she's referring to. Which I guess this verse isn't exactly talking about, but this is the only verse in the Bible that kind of would talk about that. So, I mean, my answer to that is just, like, if you're trying to make yourself more attractive to the wrong audience. That's not what you want to do. If you want to, if you want a godly relationship, that's not how you get a godly relationship. Yeah, modesty is a virtue. Yeah. To say the least. And, um, so we're not saying you can't wear leggings or you can't wear this stuff. It's just like, don't make yourself almost a target of sin in a way. Yeah. Like there's no point in doing that. If you want to follow God's will for your life. Um, okay. So I'm going to continue on this. Because I want to also touch on when they talk about that um, women shouldn't be able to teach in the church in this verse. Um, because 70% of our audience is women. So I feel like this is a pretty mm -hmm. good thing to touch on. Because it's, it's kind of confusing. Paul also says they should not teach. He's talking about the same women that are dressing up um, in the, all these fancy clothes. Because these particular women were deceived as Eve was in the garden with the apple. So... A lot of people take this verse and think it's for um, for all churches and for everyone, but Paul's more specifically talking about just this church. And obviously, there's like there's some contradictions on this, and like people don't all agree on this. But this is what I believe. Um, like back then, women also didn't have like a very good education, so them teaching people with an education didn't really make sense. But if 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 women have a good education and have a strong understanding in who God is, there's in my opinion, no problem with them teaching God. And Paul also kind of proves this further on in the, um, in his letters when he talks about um, women like Phoebe, um, Ju Junia, and Priscilla. These were all super godly women that taught men and like helped 
um, build like build the church and they were women. So God can definitely use women to proclaim the gospel and to further the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, and, anyone can, yeah. but do you think that that verse may have like, I guess had a, a deeper under or a deeper meaning in which it says that women are like more susceptible to fall to Satan or because it said as Eve did. I think he was just using that Bible verse to show that they were almost deceived as Eve was in that particular situation. I think we all have the same amount of, I mean, I think every person has a different level of how easily they're tempted just in their understanding. Okay. And, but it it also depends on how much you expose yourself to it. That's true. Second Peter six. Um, so Peter is writing about Paul and he says, Paul writes the same way in all his letters, speaking to them as if, um, speaking in them in of these matters, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant, ignorant and unsusceptible people, unstable, (laughs) unstable people (laughs) distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So it's just saying that Paul writes in a way where you have to almost have a deeper understanding of what he's talking about to actually see the truth in that. And if you stick it at like surface level or you don't know other parts of the Bible, it doesn't make sense and it can lead people to their own destruction. If they don't keep studying it. So does that, does that guys, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, there's lots more questions um, we could answer, um, but I think we'll save those for the next episode. Yeah, so, guys, right. if you guys haven't heard your answer yet, be patient, or maybe just send us a reminder or two if you haven't heard your answer. Um, we'll make sure to get to those. All right, guys, be cue the, the rock. All right, it was a great episode today, boys. Thanks Shutting off with Aiden Sunkel, yeah. Wolfgang Jansen, Luke Tornier, and Matthew Nicholas on the episode eight of Firestarters for Jesus. Oh, jeez. <laughs> for the next episode. episode. Follow us on Instagram. And uh, I'll TikTok when that gets going again. All right. 1 Timothy 2.9. All right. Right here. I also want the woman to dress <laughs> modestly with decency and properly in 20 <laughs> <laughs>